یہ انٹرنیشنل گیم ہے اس میں دماغ سے کھیلا جاتا ہے غصے سے نہیں Hello everybody and welcome to episode 74 of Hoop Darshan. Hoop Darshan! Episode number 74, Karan. There have been zero people who have worn jersey number 74, as you might have expected. That's it. Ca- ca- cancel the podcast. We yeah. can't. <laughs> uh, and also the 1974 finals was won by the Celtics and I don't really want to talk about the Celtics. Maybe I do. They're, they're struggling a little bit, so maybe I do. Um, I guess, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Uh, yeah, so uh, as of as of recording today, it's uh, 27th of February, um, yes. which means this this is like this is like the time of the year where like there's not much international basketball going on. The NBA is just like chugging along from post All Star weekend to, to like warming up till till the playoffs begin. So yeah, um, but there's still like heaps of stuff to talk about. Um, as, as always, like we're gonna do a little quick bulletin of. Uh, what's happening in the Indian basketball scene, Karan. Um, mm-hmm. And the biggest biggest thing perhaps is that uh, Amjot Singh has a new um, a- NBA G League team. Yeah, yeah. Our man Amjot Singh, who was with the OKC Blue for about a season and a little bit more, a season and 10 games, I think, has uh, moved on to the team in Wisconsin. So so he's basically now playing for the, the G League affiliate of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm, uh, I'm sure you're Wis- waiting to say something. Wisconsin hurt and since he's playing with the Greek freak I have uh, now I'm officially calling him the Seek freak that is that's great. my new name for that him that is great that is it's almost sad that like we took this long to um, I can't believe it we yeah, took this long to get this it it makes so much sense yeah I, so I mean I, I, I first suggested the Ghee freak mm-hmm. but but I think the Seek freak is way better I think, I think the Seek freak is is amazing it's probably like your best work so just like cancel your life from now on thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i i mean the next time we have him on the podcast we, we will we will, we'll just call him that we won't need, we don't need to say his name you know you know how yanis we don't say his name is it takes too much effort yeah we we'll just call him the sick freak now yeah yeah <laughs> uh so yeah so i i think like from, from the gist of what i sort of read from a diff- couple of different places he kind of stopped getting um as much game time with the okc yeah. team uh largely yeah. because like they're good um yeah, and yeah. They're, they're the top of their conference or on here about um, yeah he's gone from the number one team in the west to i think the or, or the, one of the top two teams in the west to one of the bottom teams in the east yeah so, so at the very least he's going to get to play more i reckon yeah yeah the, the i think um one of the players got a call up to the nba from mm-hmm. that team I I I don't really remember his name mm-hmm. but uh, but which means that there was a forward slot open for Amjot so you know in in the G League it's all about getting your minutes it's you know the the success is good but as long as you're going to play yeah. it's a good thing for Amjot you know let's be real like he's he's likely never going to you know make it to the NBA level mm-hmm. but he's he's breaking barriers already and um, the more he gets to play the happier we'll be here Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Indian Kobe hashtag uh, from back in the day. Um, he's the Indian Kobe. He's the Indian Kawhi, and now he's a Sikh freak. He's he's all of these things. He's all of these things. Yeah, that's that's what happens when you have like uh, one hero uh, in Indian basketball. Yeah, right now. We, we have like four or five. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of like changing those that four or five to probably a little bit more 
um yeah. it, it's always very very exciting to talk about the up and coming players so yeah. um yeah, harshvardhan tomar the guy we heard about who went to play in uh, one of italy's academies if i remember correctly yes um yes. and grishma niranjan who we spoke about a couple of weeks ago as like the next big thing in um yeah. bangalore girls basketball uh they've both played in the basketball without borders global games or or whatever yeah. that's called at the, 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 the global weekend. camp yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what what can you tell us about that, Karan? I mean, lucky them, right? They are um, the, the the camp was like attended by Nikola Jokic and and Nikola Vucevic. They, they, they got the double Nikola action. Um, uh, DeAndre Ayton, so um, Bogdan Bogdanovic. They really got all the itches together. Actually, now that I think about it, for for the global camp. Um, But yeah, uh, it was a big deal for you know for all these young players. I mean, I think young players came from all over the world. Uh, from what I read, I think there were sixty-three kids from over thirty countries wow. at this camp. Um, so Harshvardhan Tomar and Grishman Niranjan they both played, and these camps are usually uh, sort of uh, a sign of, and you're right, a sign of who could be the next big thing, like. Prince Pal Singh, who we we keep hearing his name more and more often, uh, he he sort of had an experience with these camps a few years ago, and and it's all for 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 players at this level now. You know they're getting a lot more opportunities than the player than the players a generation ago were, because Harshvardhan is also been played. He's also playing the NBA Academy. Grishman Niranjan won her uh, women's camp MVP award at the at the NBA Academy. So so there's a lot more opportunities now for these young players and uh, I'm sure we'll hear both their names many more times in the future. Definitely, definitely. Um speaking of All-Star weekend Karan, I think we have like an overdue um NBA discussion and we've we've got a few things to share, but I think yes. maybe we should we should speak to our um special guest first uh and then okay. and then come back and talk about the NBA stuff. What do you think? I think we'd be in a okay, better okay. mood then. I sh- okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I've been in a bad mood for a whole month, so I don't think things can change. Yeah, I just, I just think that like speaking to somebody other than someone who kind yes. of enables your bad mood. Um, That's true. Might That's change true. things. That's true. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you tell our listeners who we're speaking to today? Yeah, so uh, I wanted to catch up with one of the most sort of hardworking and um, really knowledgeable sports journalists we have in India, Arka Bhattacharya. He works for for Scroll dot In, and he started their. Um, uh their affiliate sports website field and i've uh, i've worked with arka in the past and i'm and you know these days you know uh the, the way internet freelance work uh, works is that you you could be in a you could be in a working relationship or a sort of social media relationship with someone for years and not even actually get to meet them like koshik i've only met you that one time yeah in delhi all those years ago so arka after knowing him digitally for many years that I, i actually got to meet him at the nba academy a, a month ago and it was just great to catch up with someone who was just so insightful and so passionate about sports culture in india so he's not very specifically knowledge about basketball but he he just has his fingers in all the indian sports and and he really is someone for young people who want to get into the sports journalism sort of as a career uh, he really is a good example to follow of uh, of the kind of work that goes into it So without further ado let's let's bring Arka on. So I'm excited to have Arka Bhattacharya a writer for scroll.in and a sports enthusiast on Darshan and Arka joins us from a very windy place somewhere in Dauts or somewhere outside a stadium in New Delhi. Arka where are you exactly? 
Karan, I'm at the Jawaharlal Nehru Stadium in New Delhi, where okay. I'm here to watch uh, our athletes take part in the Indian Grand Prix. So some fine athletics action here, and okay. uh, we just witnessing this. So, so the Indian Grand Prix is taking place today, as we record. I, I did not know that. Um, are we going to hear some cars grooming past, or what should we expect <laughs> in the background? This this is a Grand Prix for athletes, athletics, track <laughs> and field. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. I mean, uh, that was a joke. The so so they are. Um, who's who's participating? Is this a national level event? Yes, this is a national level event. We are supposed to see the golden quarter mile Hima Das, but uh, she didn't turn up. But the rest of the relay team, which won the gold at the Asian Games, they're all here. Uh, and uh, the man who won silver for India uh, in the hurdles, Dharun, he's also here. So okay. it's a pretty uh, strong field here. So do you have, uh, I mean, do you have a specific interest in track and field, or is this, you know, just part of your job? You're sort of covering. Do you like? <laughs> no, I love athletics. I mean, if you look at it, uh, athletics is essentially the pinnacle of human evolution. How far can you jump? You Actually, it's basketball, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean, athletics is something where the you know the competitor depends solely on his body and mm. his body alone. So mm. it's it's to push the limits of human, you know, endurance as far as possible. So yeah, it's it's great. I mean, uh, you could all you could almost say it's it's one of the purest mm. sports there. <laughs> Um, no, that's great to hear. So, Arka, I wanted to start off by sort of asking you about, you know, your career in sports journalism, you know. Um, uh, so, uh, how long have you been, you know, a professional as a sports journalist? How long have you been working? It's uh, close to five years now. Okay. For the first couple of years of my uh, sports journalism career, I worked for uh, the Economic Times, where I mm. covered uh, uh, beats such as technology, transport, but uh, I also used to write for the back page, the sports page, mm -hmm. and uh, it was very regular. So I mean, I thought, why not transform this love of mine into a full-time affair? Mm -hmm. So I joined uh, Scroll, yeah. and I started the field. You know, we started yeah. together, me and the field, and so now it's almost close to three years. So wow. seeing it go from nothing to, you know, one of the best places to, you know, to follow Indian sport, if you may. Yeah, for sure, and uh, I've contributed to the field in the past too. So uh, you know, I can attest it's been it's been a lot of fun to write for you guys, and um, and and I I really love reading everything that comes out of the field, especially the stuff you put out. So I wanted to specifically ask you, you know, like the the, the field, for example, and and the it, it's right now exclusively um, an online. It's exclusively online. Have you seen any rabbit shifts in sports culture? You know, just over the last four or five years, as you know, the mediums have shifted, and I mean, like, in terms of uh, TV exposure, in terms of more leagues, in terms of have things got more professional since you you joined? Well, yeah, I think uh, you know it's it's reasonable to say that there's been a large shift. Um, for example, before only cricketers were managed by, let's say, uh, professional talent managers or marketing managers. 
but uh, today you have uh, you know um, athletes badminton stars tennis stars uh, you know uh, some basketballers a lot of people are today managed you know uh, better let's say it, they they they're not uh, you know directly negotiating anymore uh you have uh, people signing uh, contracts with nike with adidas uh when you look at the interest in other sports that has also remarkably gone up mm-hmm. uh you have uh, these small media sites mushrooming all over the place you have uh, you know a lot of digital media especially mm-hmm. uh you have a lot of vernacular media also coming up mostly websites again mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i mean from my point of view yes so definitely we've seen Uh, a remarkable growth in the interest maybe not you know the expertise on how to run sports that <laughs> that will possibly come you know with more with with more culture with with more understanding of the sport itself mm-hmm. but yes i think the interest is the first part in building a culture and i think culture is the most important thing to sustain uh, sport in any region so i mean uh, that's an interesting point you make you know and and there's some sports in india that are organically there there is an organic grassroots culture you know for example you know there there's pockets in the country where football is just the biggest sport you know there's no question about it there's pockets where obviously cricket is the main thing there's pockets where uh, where like wrestling is the main thing um so since me and kaushik we focus on a sport that is you know i won't say organically a cultural sport it, it, it is organic in very small niche areas but not you know um, across most of the country how, how do you build that culture or can you build that culture because would it feel like inauthentic to do, do it that way so you know with the rise of franchise based leagues in india there's been a you know attempt to let's say capture the public's attention through this uh but i would like to call it the shock shock and awe effect because uh, i mean it's it's not permanent the the effect of these franchise based leagues and i i say that because i've seen the attendances i've seen the popularity of these leagues dwindle over time you know, even something as massively successful as let's say the pro kabaddi league for example the the problem here essentially lies is that the pockets in which you want to market the game are different from the pockets in which the culture exists today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that is where essentially the mismatch happens for example the pro volleyball league for example did a smart thing by you know hosting their first season in chennai and kochi because they know that these two places have a culture but uh, if the pro wrestling league happens in delhi and the center you know the hub of wrestling is in let's say haryana mm-hmm. and punjab there is a mismatch there so culture yes it is much more harder to develop in urban centers given you know given reducing time spans and uh, you know there are a lot of factors preventing let's say the urban population from actually getting into sport full time but uh, again they are not your they are not your customers your 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 customers your consumers essentially are in tier 2 and tier 3 towns but mm-hmm. then will will you know marketers will sponsors flock to these places that's again that, that that's that's the challenge right so yeah i mean it, it's been a up and down you know process in building culture and even football also we are seeing that uh, you know sponsors may not really 
flock to the northeast of India, even though the culture is massive there. Excellent point, Akka. I think when when we uh, Karan and I discuss what the NBA does in different markets to kind of grow in um, in places where it's not big, we kind of make the same observation where uh, if they're if they're focusing on Africa, they actually do most of their stuff in South Africa and Johannesburg, even though like South Africa is not really a basketball power. And when they go to Europe, they go to London, even though like the UK is not a big power. So there's definitely um, like from from the perspective of leagues. And organizations wanting to grow sports, there is there is definitely a mismatch. But obviously, some sports uh, have an advantage in in the scale and everything. And so, I wanted to specifically talk to you about uh, about the ISL, which you cover closely. And I'm I'm gonna put like two and two together here with your surname and football, uh, and assume that you're a massive football fan. Uh, <laughs> and 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 just like I want to ask you about everything that you. Seen covering the ISL, and from the angle of like uh, of what if and when a basketball league does start in India, what do you think it can learn from how the ISL sort of built, uh, not necessarily from the ground up, but like just just came in. So, um, you know, the ISL's first challenge today is sustainability. Uh, the ISL's today blown through so much cash that. We might actually see a couple of franchises, you know, uh, shut down in the in the upcoming year or so. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is essentially, you know, where a big problem with Indian franchise-based league starts that they want to really start big, and uh, then they have a problem with sustainability. In uh, you know, in three, four, five years, ten years. Uh, today, the IPL is the only possibly such league that you know that uh, has actually turned a corner. In terms of profit and revenue sharing, uh, the ISN, the problem is that there is no central revenue sharing system. So, the the money that France is supposed to get from TV rights, mm-hmm. they they don't. And uh, the ISN again, the problem is that they they wanted to cater to urban audiences who may or may not actually have time for football on weekdays. Uh, so yeah, but when the I League, the the you know the other top division league in india i know it sounds a bit confusing but you know when they go to again pockets like manipur kashmir they see that even at 2 pm on weekdays they get a lot of crowd so i mean my my honest you know uh, hope for any upcoming basketball league would be that you know there should be a team based out of punjab out of tamil nadu out of kerala out of you know places where the game is played not try and you know jump start a culture in places where the games not played because that is not going to board well for sure and essentially the isl challenge has been this they've been fighting dwindling attendances and it's not looking like a you know good sign it's looking like they might go on to become a white elephant and nobody really wants that because then you have to start start all over again Arka, do you? I mean, um, yeah. Uh, see, uh, when we met, we talked about this at to a certain extent. You know, I think the the issues with the ISL are almost more evolved issues. Like for for, for us, I just want something to exist in basketball first, even if it is a white elephant, even if it's horrible. <laughs> if, uh, we we just want the first step forward, just just so we can get started, and then. Uh, 
and then criticize it or to say you know um but you're absolutely right you know uh, the, the best pockets for basketball in india are punjab or kerala or tamil nadu uh there is some basketball culture in, in maharashtra and obviously now karnataka too has become a big hub for it where koshik's uh, hometown is is really killing it um but i really think um the nba has this very delicate balance of they they want the the big city money but now they are they're realizing that the real basketball fandom and the real you know players come from the grassroots you know um so i mean just before i let you go i want to know you know we got started with this we talking about the sports media um you know what advice give to younger journalists for students who want to get into sport where is there like a good future you know is i mean uh, we all know that the print is dying but is it really dying should should people get into digital or or what angle should they take if they want to sort of get into a career of uh, sport journalism well i mean like you said uh, the media is actually you know evolving so now we yeah. seeing that uh, there are more engagements for uh, you know live tweets and live updates rather than your daily beat stories mm-hmm. i mean i could i could come out with a fantastic story on football but mm-hmm. someone who's live tweeting from the stadium really they they, they are the attention grabbers today mm-hmm. and uh, nobody wants to wait till the next morning for the paper to come out and check oh see this yeah. is what happened yesterday nobody wants to do that i mean i'm not saying print is dying we still need the daily beat reporters because they essentially bring us all the news the daily news but i mean i see the future of sport because it is such a dynamic beat as digital i mean people want people want updates i mean why does cricket info get so much traffic because people love updates then and there concise you know and in a very clear manner so yeah i mean for me it's, it's very clear go digital but uh, don't forget the basics of reporting do you know the, do your fact check daily follow up events make a calendar as to what happens in your beat you know and, and follow it religiously i mean the, the, and talk to people i mean the biggest problem with journalists today i see it in my field is that you know they, they don't talk, talk to people anymore people are people shy that is possibly due to an on penetration of social media but yes <laughs> you know, these are the factors to be played uh, i just like to add on to your point about uh, you know uh, about basketball culture i was speaking to sanjana ramesh we we both met her that yeah. day at the nba academy yeah. she said you know i played in courts all across bangalore and i just want to add to culture that the first part of you know building culture is building you know grounds for people to play with just the infrastructure yeah 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 even if it's a hoop and you know uh, and a, a small court that will do and i think that's where bangalore is succeeding where a lot of the traditional bases may not be picking up from yeah so that's it sanjana is definitely great we had her on the on our podcast a few months ago and she is for, for her age she's about twice as wise as as most people her <laughs> her age are um but also i want to add on to your point about um what you know talk about digital media and young people getting into it So one of the perils of digital media I've seen is that because it's made it so easy to report things, you know, like you don't have to be a professional journalist to be published. You you are published if you're on Twitter because you're published online. Your your opinion is out there. I think w- w- what it has done is that it's sort of like leveled the expertise. So it it's the, the it sort of made people lazy to actually get become excellent journalists first 
and then report because everyone can report without having you know the fundamentals of the game okay. yeah and uh, i mean we are coming to a point where there are no specialized journalists anymore i mean anyone with uh, good enough interest or anyone with you know with with a, with, a, with a good enough knowledge base can actually become a journalist and that's that's the beauty of digital but again like you said there are two two types to it also there's also a peril also that of, of unverified information filtering too mm-hmm. yeah Uh, okay lastly before we let you go uh, what can we expect from you in the future uh, in terms of your your content and like in terms of where your journey is going yeah uh, i mean i haven't decided i mean i've looked gazed into my crystal ball for this <laughs> but uh, i think uh, for now you know just getting used to the, the digital part of it we're looking to you know understand more of you know more of what audiences want today they clearly uh, don't want basic reports anymore so the, the challenge for us really is to you know to tailor tailor make it you know to to our audiences uh, they 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 like live, live updates yeah that, that's a good thing uh, but how do we get live updates you know when our guy isn't there at at the scene so i mean the you know the future is to really work out these challenges to make uh, sport reporting and sports journalism sustainable uh, that's a major challenge that everyone is facing and uh, you know I, i i can i can say it perfectly because this is an election year for india and this is a world cup cricket year so anyone who is an abc journalist i call them abc anything but cricket <laughs> anyone who is abc sports journalist in india is essentially you know is essentially bottom of the rung because of <laughs> the factors that i mentioned so really i mean uh, we need good benefactors also without a doubt and uh, yeah we, we we need young reporters going out there on the field not just following it on television because i mean television only tells you half the story what's happening inside the stadium is the other the half so how do we how do we make it sustainable how do we make sure that young people travel that's that's the challenge today well thank you arka for giving us your time from you know live from the the stadium in delhi and uh, we'll be sure to keep following your work if you guys want to follow arka he's on twitter at arka tweets 10 and um, there's a lot of hilarious content and a lot of insightful content out there so uh, make sure you guys follow him and uh, yeah keep up with the good uh, sports journalism work arka we, we really need uh, we really need people who, who go out there talk to people Thank you guys thank you for having me on your pod and uh, always a big fan and uh, this was a very insightful discussion thank you thank you so much thank you bye bye so I want to thank Arka Bhattacharya for joining us on on Hoopdarshan and um, you know it was it's it, it's kind of refreshing Kaushik you're right it's kind of refreshing to step away from basketball see the bigger picture once in a while and then return so that we can like you know bitch about our little world a little bit more <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i thought i thought he had some really good um, insights on just working in sports in india uh, my favorite of which was the whole election plus cricket here so abc's abc is a great word um, Any, anything but cricket <laughs> yeah uh, well he i didn't want to delay him cuz he was running out of time but election plus cricket is it, it's a very relevant thing because literally that's what's been in the news the last two weeks it's been yeah it's been how how cricket is going to be affected by 
you know, a, a little war skirmish we have going on, which is inevitably tied up to the election. So, yeah, that's all happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we're going to ignore that. We're going to be angry at other stuff to pretend that, yeah, you know, I think, I think if we the whole world is on. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think if we unleash our anger on, like, those kind of topics, we, we're going to be here for a long, long time and mo- maybe not left with any listeners at the end of it. But <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, com- coming, back to, coming back to basketball. So, uh, we spoke about the All-Star Weekend a few minutes ago. Um, yes. What what kind of stood out in the All Star Weekend this time? And, and I'm, I think personally for me, um, I think like the All Star Weekend is kind of losing its purpose. Like it's just just a little bit of a distraction in the middle. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way. But then again, like we are also uh, we're also like adults now, not as easily <laughs> impressionable as like kids. Uh, so maybe it is it is like a young fan sort of event. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I just like I can't be bothered about All Star Weekend anymore. I mean, I think the All-Star Weekend is definitely necessary. Mm-hmm. It, it it has to happen for two reasons. You know, I think, first of all, most of the players do need that break. Um, and, and I think it, it it helps sort of breaking up the season into, okay, here's the part where everyone's going to try yeah. and everyone thinks they have hope. And now we're starting with the part where the tankers are going to tank and the real contenders are going to contend, you know. Yeah. So there's like a need delineation there. Even though I mean my Knicks have been tanking for a long time, so <laughs> shout out to shout out to shout out to, to Zam Williamson uh, for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that said, you are completely right. I this was the least I've been interested in an All Star weekend. I think all my basketball watching life it, it was kind of sad actually. Like I I yeah. missed um, I missed the entire Saturday night event, and 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 I didn't care. Yeah, I, I, it it did not even hurt. Mostly because the. Really, it's been the, the the downfall of the slam dunk contest has really made it very easy to to overlook because you know the other events are are okay the the skills challenge is okay the 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 three point contest offers the best talent but you know the most exciting thing you're gonna see is a bunch of three pointers going in which is fine like yeah. it's not as much fun as seeing that in in like a Warriors game or seeing Clay Thompson do it like you know yet in a in a, in a third quarter right or something like that yeah. The dunk contest was the one thing where you could really, I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if this is age talking, uh, but, but but when I was younger, it, you could really expect like miracles in the dunk contest. You could expect to see stuff that you've never seen before, you know? Yeah. And and for many years, it's just been people using props, you know, except for um, except for the, the, the few years where we had Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. And that was for sure one of the best slam dunk contests we've had. Except for that one, it really has been a disappointment for you know almost 10, 15 years, I think. Yeah, yeah, complete, completely agree. And I had this discussion with some friends uh, here, and 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 we kind of narrowed down into why possibly the dunk contest is losing its charm. And I think one of the theories that I like is uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago, the number of like purely athletic people being different from like the average NBA player was was much more massive so like anything they did was like whoa we've never seen anything mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. whereas now like literally everybody is like is tall skinny mm-hmm. they can they're like crazy hops and everything so like mm-hmm. we're just not mm-hmm. we're just not as easily impressed like the separation between mm-hmm. the most athletic dude and like the uh, 200 most athletic mm-hmm. dude is probably not as big as it was back in the day and which is also why like back in the day like your best players were also the most athletic guys, but now it's more yeah. like you have to have skill on top of that athleticism. So, yeah, uh, which is why you'll never see like the, the really like the stars of the game. Your uh, which 
which coincidentally are like more shooters and like point guards and stuff like that where you can display more skill um mm-hmm. that's like i think the whole um change of the ecosystem of the sport in general um and and the dunk contest is suffering for it so i have i mean i, I do agree with your take but i have an addition to that mm-hmm. i i blame this all on lebron james yeah yeah i blame I, all I, of this on lebron I completely uh, agree. I, I'm I'm in a position where like I, I'll blame a lot of things on LeBron James. So I'm get... <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 this is why, and I agree with you that you know um, we are less wowed by you know godly athleticism than we used to be. Yeah. But I think we would still pay money to see stars do it. Yeah, exactly. Like stars doing like all the dunks that happened this year, for example. If a superstar had done it, it would be in the news cycle for you know a month. Yeah. But because relatively unknown people did it like who who won the like the Diallo from OKC won the yeah. contest right yeah. like it took me a second to to remember that and <laughs> but if someone else had done those same things and and the reason i blame this on lebron is because um, from from the inception of the dunk contest till uh, lebron's rookie year i think every great perimeter player that came into the nba yeah he he did the dunk contest whether it's dr j whether it's michael jordan whether it's dominic wilkins vince carter kobe bryant you know they all did it and and it was sort of like a rite of passage that yeah. if you're going to be a, a dominant um perimeter player this is something you do yeah but i think once lebron skipped it and, and lebron really is and and this this speaks to lebron's power in the nba he's so important to the league that uh it, it's a good and the bad right like whatever if he does something good the rest of the league follows his example yeah but if he ignores something the rest of the league feels like they can ignore it too and i think the dunk contest has suffered because I think star players now don't value it as much as they used to. Yeah. So um yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I I completely agree like LeBron James there was nothing in his view that uh the dunk contest could do to kind of like change his legacy yeah. or rather like he had more to lose than to gain. Uh and I think that's the outlook that most star players feel these days as well. So Um yeah. Now that said, I I I think then Yanis suggest on Twitter that he he might want to do it next year. He retracted like 24 hours later. He oh, said, did he? Oh. Yeah, he said no, nah, I just I just have the other people do it. Uh no. Which is a real shame because like I feel like he could have changed it. Because really the the, the the things I remember from the All-Star game itself yeah are are the Steph to Yanis um the the, the Steph to Yanis alley oop the, the the Yanis dunks oh, and the so very great. end the 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 dunk Steph Curry did with the yeah. game over <laughs> I feel like that's the stuff I I think if Giannis did it at this level it'd be it really be amazing yeah. but 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 that was my uh, if I have to sort of remember something from the All-Star game mm-hmm. it would be Steph to Giannis and seeing those two work well together yeah um was was really a pleasure to watch yeah absolutely and I thought that the pass was more impressive than the dunk and that's saying something that yeah 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 it was it was uh i i it was a pass gone wrong actually i think it was a really good pass but if yanis hadn't finished it <laughs> you know it wouldn't have cuz the bounce was so high up yeah and i think um, you know what we were talking about the things don't mm-hmm. like from the all star weekend things don't like bring us that childish wonder anymore yeah. i think this dunk for that half a second i was like whoa i haven't seen something like this you know yeah, yeah definitely so it, was, it, it truly was an impressive moment definitely but otherwise they, didn't the teams attempt like 203s together Yep. like or something stupid like that this is see that's the other that, that's the other peril of uh, that's something i blamed steph for <laughs> he's made it look so easy and everyone thinks they can just take threes now <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely and i think um, people like kawhi leonard and maybe i think maybe yanis as well 
they got a couple yeah. of like weird looks from defenders saying seriously are you really trying to drive and finish in, a, in this <laughs> match uh, whereas like I, all all of the all star games from uh, from previous years what i remember is instead of just like people pulling up to three pointers they would just mm-hmm. try and do these crazy, crazy dunks yeah. Um, yeah like yeah. off the board or like crazy yeah. alley oops and stuff like that um that's happening lesser and lesser so um no it's it's a, it's a strange sort of evolution but i was a fan of the whole live or almost live draft yeah of, yeah that was fun yeah thing and i i just feel like that should happen on on game day or maybe at yeah. least on like saturday so that like yeah. um there's a little more shine to saturday than mm-hmm. um, than the stupid dunk contest is dead maybe it maybe it should happen in person like the yeah, you, yeah you know, exactly you know the real feeling of when you show up for a pickup basketball game yeah and the two like old seniors the two uncles in the game because when i used to play there would always be yeah. like two really older men who have no athleticism but yeah they, they, by virtue of being uncles they get to pick the teams yeah exactly uh, and they wouldn't like they they would underestimate somebody or overestimate somebody and it's always exactly fun. it's the best it's yeah. is the is the equivalent of of uh, of uh, lebron picking wade but okay to be honest that was uh, <laughs> wade was specific second is the equivalent of yanis picking like chris middleton over anthony davis yeah. because he's his buddy yeah. i think we, we the stuff like that would be a lot of fun yeah <laughs> definitely definitely um, um all right guys so we're done with we're done with talking about all star but uh, i feel like there's there's something inside you that wants to come out and it's about it's about one of your like sons from back in the my day my child yeah i've lost my child um my, my first born son so here's what i think we should do koshik yeah i think both of our favorite teams have have annoyed us yeah. I, i'm sure i can say that so i i i think we need to i, I need you to convince me mm-hmm. that i'm wrong okay. on this okay cool okay, okay and cool. and then you can try the same if you wish yeah but you So the Knicks this is what the Knicks did and now it's been almost 3 3 weeks so it's not new news anymore but it, it is for us we yeah. haven't spoken for a long time yeah the Knicks traded Kristaps Porzingis they're basically the best player the best asset just to get rid of a shitty contract like has it <laughs> ever happened has, I, like has the best player of a team ever been given up just as a sweetener for And, and 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 he was he was a sweetener for Tim Hardaway Jr. and Tim Hardaway Jr. is an okay player, but it's so terrible that it's the same uh, GM, the same management that gave him that extension, that or that signed Tim Hardaway Jr. for that contract, is the same one now who were so desperate to get rid of him that they coupled along the best player in the team. It's it it makes me so mad. And the worst part of this whole situation is that we are now assuming that now that we have cap space for two. uh max players that two max players will actually show up like that it's not it's not the same thing everyone in the world wants kevin durant you know the clippers want him the warriors want to keep him the lakers want him the celtics want him the nets want him like it's it, there's no uh there's no loyalty that he's made that he's going to come to the next you know or or that he'll bring kyrie along i really hope he doesn't <laughs> but um it's it it's the, this whole thing has made me really angry for because the worst part of this whole situation is that we could have uh, when i say we i mean the Knicks, <laughs> we could have still gotten kevin durant while keeping porzingis and and things would have, and then later on seen you know depending on the draft pick and depending on other things 
try to get uh, a second piece, you know, or maybe dealt Porzingis later on if, you know, he was really that unhappy and if, you know, the, the situation was with him was irreversible or, or if they felt that the injury was that bad, you know. Like, they didn't... The way they did this is very suspicious. They just completely... Uh, they said that he's unhappy and within 45 minutes he got traded. So, and like, this this trade has been ready for a long time, I think. Yeah. And... Uh, it's they they tried to make it sound like they tried to make the fans get angry at Kristaps, but I think the smart fans know it's the you know it's Nick's mismanagement again. I I don't blame Porzingis for for anything. I think the only thing I blame him for is that if he was unhappy with the team losing a lot, if that's true, then he's being really naive. Like he it's called tanking. It's we're supposed to lose a lot. It's not you know it's fine. But that also I'm very suspicious that 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 was really the story. There must have been something more to this. Um, yeah, it's it's really sad to see a, a, a homegrown player. The Knicks haven't had a homegrown talent since Patrick Ewing, pretty much, uh, be be sent off so cheaply. You know, someone who mattered so much to the fan base. Um, and now I'm, you know, I, I can't even be mad. Him and Luka Doncic on the same squad, if they're both healthy, would be just would be amazing to watch. But also really sad. <laughs> there's there's a lot of thoughts in there. Um, um, like I I just want to like give you a hug, Karen. Thanks for unloading all of those thoughts. And I, I know you feel miserable. I know you feel like shit. But at the same time, you could end up with Kevin Durant. Um, so sure. there's, there's a possibility there. Um, I, I I just think that um, like it's hard to sort of um, to, to say that this trade happened for like one reason. I think it's a lot of little things that bubbled up. From from. Porzingis' angle, my like opinion on hearing lots of different takes about it and seeing all the tweets and um, and like quotes from the different people involved and everything is that I just think that Porzingis sort of like lost faith that he 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 was valued as much as by the Knicks that as he thought it he would be. So he really like he really embraced the whole like I'm coming to save New York thing, right? Like yes, and the fans loved him. So and the fans absolutely loved him, but through the course of whatever has happened, you know, uh, the same group that sort of gave him the 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 offer or the contract to kind of stay there and everything uh, is also like like slightly sort tried to move him. Uh, and yes, this was like Phil Jackson's um, doing almost, but it's still like the same people in the organization. So the Knicks are sort of uh, they're known to um, not really like clean up house when when regime changes happen. They like to keep. Um, people who've been with the organization for a long time in in their respective jobs and stuff like that. So uh, I think there's just there was just a lot of bad blood that was building up slowly and slowly. And and one of the key things that I think a, a 22, 23 year old, however old Porzingis is, uh, and who who's just made to feel like the king of New York, but suddenly people in the team don't want him or didn't want him or entertain the idea that maybe he's not the guy. Whatever the reason might be, so I personally think that's where it started going down for Porzingis, and then he's like, everybody is leaving, everybody, everybody can sort of like redeem themselves in another place. I just don't want to do it in New York anymore, um, and and that's fair. I think that's fair for him to feel it, and it's completely on the New York front office to have made him feel that way. But also at the same time, the more fun theory to believe is that Kevin Durant said, "I'm coming there. I don't really want to play with this kid who's coming off an ACL." However, unicorn-like he might be. Do Do you think there's merit to that? Because, like, I'm I'm all in on the KD is coming to New York bandwagon. Like, he's 
I'm, I'm ready to see him in a Nick uniform. I do it. I am ready to see him in a Nick uniform too. But but here's the thing. We first of all, it's we, we know this. We, we know that the Kyrie himself, for example, is a great example of, um, of of someone of how quickly the NBA changes its mind. You know. Yeah. Just three months ago, he was saying, "I, I can, I'm going to be a Celtic again." Now he's saying, "You know, my future's up for grabs," and he's being really weird about things. Just a few months ago, everyone thought after the one sort of argument between Draymond and KD that this is it, this is over. But then they start winning again and Boogie comes back and it's fine again. So, you know, things can change a lot in the NBA and with, and the playoffs, especially series by series, it feels like it's a whole different world, you know. Yeah. Uh, even, even if you look at the Pelicans now and we'll get to, you know, <laughs> Anthony Davis very soon. Uh, Last year, they, they made it to the second round. They, defe- they swept the Trailblazers as a lower seed. And it was, they were such a great story. You know, they did with Cousins injured. And it seemed like they have nowhere to go but up. And then now they have what the coach himself called the dumpster fire. So, uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, anything with KD. I would love to see him in a Nick uniform. But unless it's happened, it, it hasn't happened. From Durant's perspective, say he wins another championship. You know, and he feels like, wow, like, why would I want to leave this for basically a mismanaged team? I mean, uh, let's be real, like, Dolan is still the owner unless the team is sold. So, I, I, I would love for him to become a Nick, but just to put all our eggs in that basket, to, to get rid of Porzingis so cheaply, really disappointed me. You know, we, I, and um, I have a feeling that it's a mixture of things, as you said, you know, it's, it's a mixture of bad blood. Plus, his injury might be more serious than mm-hmm. we think, you know. Yeah. I really hope not, even, even despite all this, I'm rooting for him. Um, but, but again, they could have still been patient. They could have still waited. Yeah. They, could, they, they could have even waited till the off-season. And, yeah. and uh, they, they didn't have to get rid of Porzingis to create cap space. Like, they, they had other ways of offloading Tim Hardaway Jr., yeah, I think they wanted to get rid of Porzingis yeah. because of an ego issue. I agree, and uh, it's completely short-sighted of them of of what their fans expect. And if they fail now, yeah, like here's here's the saddest part of this whole situation. So so today the Knicks won their second game in a row. I don't know why they're winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 they're twelve game, twelve win team. They're playing against the Magic, like a completely you know useless game. Mm-hmm. In the fourth quarter, they made this huge comeback. And they won this game, and the garden was rocking, like as it's as if it's the NBA conference finals or something, you know. <laughs> so I think it, the fans there are so loyal to the team that no matter how much bullshit the team does, they will continue to support them. Yeah. And I think Dolan and the, and the Knicks being Knicks will just will just keep doing shit as well. So like they keep you, doing shit. Everything that they've they, done in the past few years, I'm completely uh, completely agree with you that it. Um, until it really like turns things around, you you have to assume that they they've made a shit move. Um, and I, I sort of completely agree with you that this you could have waited. This may not be the best like posing his offer, but I just think um, you, you're right. Like they wanted to get rid of him for for ego reasons or whatever. And they also saw that the same team that wanted him is also willing to take on the Tim Hardaway contract. All right, let's just do it and get this over with. Yeah. I think that's the that's the outlook that Nick's probably. Um, ended up with and uh, look you, you said just because there's two max slots maybe uh, it doesn't mean that two max players will come but 
maybe two players will come who will get the max maybe it will be Kemba Walker and Jimmy that's Butler what that's what I'm afraid of <laughs> yeah. that that we're going to end up spending that money on Tobias Harris and DeMarcus Cousins you know yeah. like and I love DeMarcus Cousins but you know what I mean like that's not yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. your max <laughs> uh in an ideal world from me I would like those max players to be Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. um but we'll see I really do not want Kyrie Irving to become a Nick <laughs> I, mean, I really don't. I just everything, and I'm I'm following this on from our last podcast. Just everything about him yeah. is turning me off right now. His like brand of fake leadership, um, just there. The Celtics doing badly is is his fault. I'm sorry, but the team is pretty good without him. Um, but that's another take for another time. Koshik, let's move on to. Oh, do we have to? Let, let's let's turn the tables a little bit. Now a lot has happened over the month in in La La Land. Uh, where where would you like to start with your frustrations? Basketball is a dumb sport, and we need to like <laughs> move on to next season. That's that's my key takeaway from what's happening in the Lakers. Uh, I'm I'm done with it honestly. I I think I think we're out from the playoffs. Like there is, uh, just the way the team kind of performed against two really crap teams, New Orleans and. Yep. and Memphis and Atlanta yeah. before the All-Star break that is not a team that will get to the playoffs that's not a team that will do they even if they somehow sneak into the playoffs that's not a team that will do that will be capable of doing anything uh, let alone if they face the Warriors in the first round so i have completely given up hope i think lebron is uh, is one of two things or maybe a combination of both a like just nailed in this season can't be bothered second i think the injury sort of like has affected him more than he or anybody thought would affect him um and like this is just this is such a weird environment where like the kids sort of like all bought into the oh cool lebron's playing with us in the beginning but then the moment he realized this whole anthony davis gate um mm. was about to happen and then it epic failed miserably it's just such a weird dynamic and the funny thing is like the kids are actually playing okay kuzma and yeah. ingram have sort of like turned the corner ingram especially after the all-star break he's played really well but suddenly all of those like um entertainment crew of of veterans that we signed early on they've all just like completely fallen off the cliff um javel rondo lance i mean really like w- what else what were they expecting what though, was, what right? else would have happened yeah. uh but at the same time oh it's just such a mess it's such a mess and then suddenly now luke walton's seat is on, on fire um it's just it's just a real mess um and I'm, i'm just at like at what point yeah no koshik want to ask you as you know as the resident local expert laker expert at what point do we start calling lebron a terrible teammate yeah i mean i think there's, there's i think he's reason. a terrible teammate <laughs> it's it's possible it's possible to put that tag on him and it's it's also like he's earned himself a reputation whether by like what he's done or like whatever stories he sort of helps get out in the the media um he's almost can do nothing wrong and even until until like the last couple of games there was not really much chatter about lebron being at fault or at some sort of fault for causing this whole thing but it's it's starting to heat up i think and especially if they miss the playoffs i think that will be that will be an angle um look for a lot of people to say that like the lakers um correctly or not like are a badly run team but i i think i'd like to like almost want to want to see this other chatter about like is Le- lebron going about doing the doing things the right way as well because like i think 
if if they somehow sneak into the playoffs and like do a save face sort of last mm-hmm. run to the season um mm-hmm. real changes aren't going to happen mm-hmm. but if they miss the playoffs like it's going to be pretty unprecedented like lebron missing the playoffs yeah. um something has to happen with the team um mm-hmm. who wants to now come into this lakers mess who wants to play with lebron now after all of this seeing that lebron's probably not the same uh, invincible guy anymore um like i'm almost more intrigued to see that even though like yeah. I- i'm like sad and miserable as a laker fan <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's you know it, it's interesting like he i think i think lebron gambled i think this he wanted both the season he wanted primarily he went to yeah. the lakers let's be real about it. like he, he didn't go there expecting to win a championship he went there expecting to be in space you know b- broaden yeah to make space jam to broaden his media empire yeah and on the side like remain famous like i think so 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 here was very do you remember seeing that quote that he had um um in one of his shows where he's talking about he considers himself the goat because he bought cleveland from 3-1 down yeah yeah in again so he he thinks that that alone that series comeback alone was all it took to make him the the greatest of all time now so first of all i disagree <laughs> but second of all if he believes so i think it's i i think what what his mentality is now is that he feels he has already done everything to be the greatest like he feels yeah. he doesn't have to do anything more yeah so I, I I think that's why he came in this season on almost cruise control, thinking that you know if you put anyone around him, he'll be able to do it. But first, you know, it's the Western Conference; it's not that easy. These players are not experienced, and and LeBron himself isn't that good anymore. Like he stopped playing defense years ago. Yeah. So, so I think that's one part of it. He wanted to do both things, and secondly, I think he gambled with this injury Anthony Davis thing. I think when he got hurt, he. purposely sat out a little bit longer to see how to let the young guys prove themselves raise their value yeah and what and like i think in the ideal lebron world lonzo and ingram would have played so well mm-hmm. that when they were offered for the pelicans uh, for anthony davis yeah. the pelicans would have said yes yeah um and that didn't happen so now what's happened is that you know this whole anthony davis like anthony davis asking for a trade request mm-hmm. has messed up three teams has messed up the pelicans of course yeah is messed up the lakers has messed up the celtics too cuz their young guys <laughs> like like Jason Tatum has pretty much openly been talking about the fact that yeah. you know oh well of course i can play anywhere or of course i would trade myself for anthony davis too like i think it's is it's is really like cause a lot of drama around the nba yeah um so what was your like i, I remember the last time we spoke i was i was so confident i'm like gosh you guys are getting anthony davis in a few days uh what do you think now like do you think the, this off season you guys get ad or like or do you want ad do, like what do you want to do now for the yeah, rest I mean, of like, course i want that to be david like i'm not going to say yeah. no to that um, yeah yeah I, i genuinely don't think much has changed mostly because um like the whole thing that sort of held up this whole play was boston can't trade for him right now because they have yeah. kyrie irving and they yeah. really only enter the market in uh, in the off season so there's two ways that can go one is like boston does really really well kyrie wants to stay and then they have to give up tatum to mm. to get anthony davis and is that something that they'd be willing to do or like, i think they will yeah. i think i think they will like when push comes to shove everything they want about yeah. tatum uh, they'll give up because it's anthony davis or uh, or at the same time like e- equally or probably more likely is celtics are not really clicking and like they could they could unravel before they like they, they couldn't even they could possibly not even make the eastern conference finals and suddenly like 
how good really is Tatum now? How good is Kyrie really going to stay? Will Anthony Davis want to move to a team where yep. his his good friend Kyrie probably won't stay? So there's that that's likely to happen as well. In that case, maybe then um, then Lonzo and Ingram is probably not that such a bad deal, and mm-hmm. and then the Knicks could get the first first draft pick and then trade that for the, Anthony Davis. The Knicks are going to offer if they have Zion, they're going to offer him and Kevin Knox yeah. and something of Anthony Davis, which yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't mind yeah, that. I mean, I, I think Zion is amazing, but yeah. <laughs> like AD is proven. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know what my favorite theory about this whole thing is? Like, I think the Lakers missed the playoff. Somehow do, do some uh, Jugard and get the first pick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That would be, <laughs> and then that would be the most... That, that would prove to me that LeBron is the actual commissioner of the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that would prove to me that LeBron is God. He's just playing with the record. <laughs> um... So yeah, uh, so a lot of drama and uh, it's it, the, the the NBA is in a very weird place right now, as you, as you said, but just because the, the the teams that are not good mm-hmm. are are really showing it because uh, every good team is trying very hard now, you know. So um, is there any other storylines that you want to keep an eye on for the rest of the season before we close out this discussion? Uh, I'm- I'm curious to see what happens in like the middle of the pack in the West. Um, okay. Because OKC is looking good, Denver is looking yeah. good, Houston. I'm always intrigued based on what they did last season. Will they be able to replicate that in the playoffs? Um, so there's a few things that could happen. Um, I, like I said, like I've ignored Lakers and like I just want to uh-huh. move on to next season. So there's not much happening on that side. Uh, but yeah, probably the East as well. Like today was a really good game that uh, Toronto played against Boston. So what, yeah. what does Toronto look like at the end of the season? What does Philly look like with all of their like no, three three point two stars? I'm gonna say because Butler <laughs> sort of like reduced his role. Um, and what happens when Giannis gets to the playoffs? Like, can they play yeah. the same way? Um, there's a lot of like mini stories in there, and I think it'll really start to heat up in March and April. Yeah, um, and we'll be back for that. We'll be back for much more discussions about Indian basketball stuff and NBA stuff. And uh, and all this, all this other bullshit drama. <laughs> definitely, um, definitely. Um, th- uh, thanks as always, guys, for joining us on Hoop Session. Um, we're actually going to hit 75 episodes the next time you listen to us. That's pretty mind blowing. Yeah. It's it's some jubilee, right? What is 75 platinum, gold, silver? Something, something. We'll find yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. If you want to reach out to Karan or me on Twitter, Karan is at Hoopistani. I'm at underscore Karshik7. The podcast is at Hoopdarshan. We're also available on iTunes, Podbean, uh, Facebook, SoundCloud, a bunch of different places. So hit us up, uh, ask us any questions if you want, and we'll uh, we'll shout you out. Until next time then, hashtag India Basketball. <laughs>